0: You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. As well, you can hear these podcasts at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses: SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, which are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works, Volume 125, by Rudolf Steiner, fourteen lectures translated by Christian von Arnim, entitled Paths and Goals of the Spiritual Human Being, Life Questions in the Light of Spiritual Science. This is Lecture 13, given in Berlin on the 22nd of December, 1910. If we go out into the streets of our large cities at this time, we find these streets filled with the things which our contemporaries want to buy for themselves to celebrate the festival which is coming up to celebrate one of the major festivals which humanity can celebrate in the course of a year, the festival commemorating one of the mightiest impulses in the development of humanity. And yet, if we let pass through our hearts what will happen in the next few days in such a big city as this one, in which we find ourselves here, for example, to celebrate this festival of commemoration. If we ask ourselves if that corresponds what should pass through the souls and hearts of human beings, if we do not surrender ourselves to any illusions but look truth straight in the eye, then perhaps we cannot avoid admitting to ourselves how little all the things which we see in preparation, and perhaps also in the celebration of the Christmas festival, fit, on the one hand, with what otherwise happens in modern culture around us, and how little they fit, on the other hand, with everything which basically should live deeply in the heart of human beings as a commemoration and thought of the greatest impulse which could have happened to humanity in the course of its development. It is perhaps not to say too much if we express the opinion that not all the things have such an harmonious effect on our eye E.Y.E., any longer which want to be imbued by the Christmas mood which want to receive this Christmas mood from the things which we can see in our surroundings today. The effect is not so harmonious when our modes of transport go whizzing through the middle of the streets in which the Christmas trees or other preparations for the Christmas festival are set up. And if people today perhaps no longer experience this disharmony to its full extent, then it is for the reason that they have already broken the habit of feeling the depth of inwardness which can be associated particularly with the forthcoming festival. Because what is left for the inhabitants of our cities, of everything that gives depth to the Christmas festival, is basically no more than a last echo, which hardly any longer gives any idea of its greatness, a habit in which such greatness can no longer be perceived and which people have become used to in the course of the centuries. It would be completely wrong if we were to look in a pessimistic mood at the fact that the times have changed, and that it is impossible today in our major cities to develop the deep inwardness with regard to this festival which once existed. It would not be right to let such a pessimistic mood arise if at the same time we can have an inkling, as is the purpose of this group, of how humanity can, once again, approach this impulse in all its depth and greatness, something which should be felt particularly at this festival. Seeking souls have every reason to ask themselves and their soul, what should this Christ festival mean to us? And they may admit to themselves in their hearts, through spiritual science in particular, something will be given to the whole of humanity, once again, which will bring in the fullest sense of the word That which can no longer be here now, and of which we must admit that it can no longer be here if we do not want to give ourselves over to illusion and fantasy and see something which has become a pure occasion for giving presents as being equivalent to what the Christ Festival was for human beings for centuries, a festival whose celebration gave souls the joy of hope, the security of hope, and the awareness of being part of a spiritual being which descended from spiritual heights, united itself with the world so that every willing soul can have a part of it. A festival was celebrated throughout the centuries which awoke an awareness in souls that the individual human soul has a strong force in the spiritual power we have just characterized, and that all human beings who are willing can come together in the service of this spiritual power, can come together in its service, in such a way that they also find the right paths on earth to be as much as they can be as human beings for each other, to love each other as much as they can as human beings. If, as seems appropriate, we wish on occasion to let the comparison act on our soul between what the Christmas festival has been through centuries and what it is to become again, then it can be a good thing to compare the mood which is prevalent in circles around us today through the cultural demands of the present with what the Christmas festival once was, and on the other hand with what this festival can become in souls once again precisely through spiritual science, through a renewal which has become timeless, as it were. City people today are hardly capable any longer of completely appreciating to its full depth what is connected with our annual festivals. It is hardly possible to feel that magic which passed like a spiritual breath through the souls, through the minds of those who believed that they were carrying Christ in their heart during the great festive events at Christmas or Easter. To feel this magic which passed through humanity in these periods like a spiritual breath, has become really quite difficult, particularly for city people today. Anyone who still had the opportunity to see even just a little of this magic wind which was able to pass through the souls and the minds of those times will undoubtedly have that as a wonderful, a magnificent memory. I myself only saw the last remnants as a child of what was able to pass of such a magic wind through the souls. Through the mines in the villages in German regions, how in young and old, when Christmas time approached, something truly arose in the innermost depth of the soul which was different from the feelings which were otherwise present throughout the year. A few decades ago, it was still possible to feel something like this in villages when Christmas approached how souls decorated themselves inwardly in a natural way and really experienced something like the physical sunlight has descended during autumn into the deepest darkness of night. Physical outer darkness has increased. The nights have grown long. The days have grown short. We have to sit in our living rooms, whereas otherwise, at the opposite times of the year, we go out into the fields and feel the golden sunlight stream to meet us in the morning, feel the warmth of the sun, and can do things with our hands in the long days of summer, we now have to sit a lot in our living rooms, have to know that there is a lot of darkness around us, often have to look out of the window at how the earth is covered with its winter gown. It is not possible to describe in detail all the beautiful, all the wonderful soul moods which arose in the simplest peasant huts during Sunday afternoons and evenings, when Christmas time was approaching, because we would have to describe intimate soul moods. We would have to describe how many a person got into fights and engaged in mischief throughout the rest of the year felt tamed in their soul, as something quite self evident, because they were filled with the thought that Christmas was nearing. They felt that the time itself was too holy for mischief to be allowed to be done during this time. That is only a small look at something which existed extensively hundreds of years ago and which could still be seen decades ago as a last remnant in the villages. Once the family celebration of Christmas had withdrawn into the houses, it was possible to see how in the houses there would be an imitation of the little manger in the stable in Bethlehem and how the children were excited about everything associated with that when they saw Joseph and Mary, the shepherds in front, the angels above, sometimes imitated in quite a primitive way. Such an imitation of the manger could be found in almost every house in certain villages. What withdrew into the houses was more or less the last echo of something else, which we will still touch on. Then it was still possible to see, some decades ago, once the main days of Christmas, 25 and 26 December, were over, and the festival of Epiphany approached, how groups of performers went through the villages, last performers of the Christmas story. The actual Christmas plays had become quite rare by that time, but it was still possible to see many instances of the Three Kings play as a last echo perhaps even today still in remote villages. There were the holy three kings dressed strangely in various ways with paper crowns and a star on their head who went through the village and in primitive voices, rarely without humor but holy and humorous at the same time, awoke everything that the soul was meant to feel following on from what the Bible said about the great Christ impulse in human development. That is the key thing that it was this mood which was poured into hearts specifically at Christmas time and in the days and weeks around it, in which they were able to take in everything which was put before their soul in a simple and direct way, and in which the whole village participated. Such grotesquely comedic depiction of holy scenes as they have become common in modern times, in the imitation of the Oberammergau passion plays, would not have been understood at the time when the memory of and thoughts about the great periods of humanity were still alive. Because people would not have wanted to experience the events of Holy Night and the Three Kings at any other time than in these days of the year, the passion story at any other time than Easter. People felt a unity with what spoke out of the stars, out of the weeks, out of the seasons, what spoke out of snow and sunshine. And they wanted to hear the tale of what they wished to and should feel, as told by the, in quotes, star singers, walking the rounds in a white smock and with a paper crown on their head, one of whom carried a star which was attached to scissors so that he was able to extend the star. They walked through the villages, stopped in front of the houses and presented their simple things— and the only thing that mattered was that people were able to take in, at this particular time, and with hearts attuned in this way, what was intended to penetrate the souls of people in that time. The things which I sometimes heard in the villages remain a beautiful memory for me. The way such simple rhymes were spoken by the star singers as they wandered through the villages, such as the following, for example, the Oberschützen star singers, IN GOD'S NAME NOW OUR TALE BEGINS, FROM ORIENT CAME THE HOLY KINGS. THEY RIDE WITH SPEED ON DISTANT WAYS, FOUR HUNDRED MILES IN THIRTEEN DAYS. THEY RIDE BY HEROD'S PALACE WALLS, AS HEROD FROM HIS WINDOW CALLS, WHITHER GO YE, RELAX YOUR SPEED, TO BETHLEHEM OUR JOURNEY DOES LEAD. YE HOLY THREE KINGS, BE GUESTS OF MINE. I will draw plenty of beer and wine, I will serve venison roast and fish. To know of the newborn king is my wish. In truth we cannot tell just where, we have to follow the star we bear. Over the house the star will shine bright. Over the mountains the holy men ride. There found they Jesus Christ our Lord, who is the Savior of all the world. Why is the hindmost o oh so black? HE IS THE KING FROM ETHIOPIA. THESE THINGS WERE ORGANIZED IN SUCH A WAY THAT THE WHOLE VILLAGE TOOK PART IN THEM. AT A PARTICULAR LINE, THE STAR, FOR EXAMPLE, MIGHT BE EXTENDED AS FAR AS POSSIBLE. THIS CHRISTMAS OR THREE KINGS STAR WAS THE EXPRESSION OF THE COHERENCE BETWEEN SEASON, FESTIVAL, AND HUMAN HEARTS. This was the greatness which spread through centuries over a wide region of our earth like a magic breath into the simplest minds. We have to place this to some extent before our soul. And as seekers of spiritual knowledge, we are well placed to call it up before our soul, because over the years in which we have been able to reflect on this great event, we have been able to obtain a feeling once again as to the real power which has been given in that of which we are mindful in this festive period for all human beings and the whole of earth development. Thus we may trust that we can obtain some understanding as to how in such earlier times the whole of the Christmas period, particularly among the peoples of the various German and Eastern European regions, was immersed in festive celebration, and how, with the simplest means, such festive celebration could be achieved. But perhaps today it is no longer anyone, except the spiritual seekers, who can understand what was the essence of the old Christmas plays. What I have just presented to you as the star song is only a last ruin, a a final remnant. If we went back through the centuries, we would find how, across wide regions, the Christmas plays were performed when the time came, and whole villages were involved in what was presented. We may well say that, in relation to these things, in relation to our knowledge of the Christmas plays, we are no longer in a position to be anything but collectors of what is on the way to being lost. I myself, who still had the good fortune to have such a collector as an old friend, heard him tell many things, about what he encountered as a scholarly collector of Christmas plays, particularly in the German-speaking areas of Hungary. In those German-language islands of Hungary in which the German mother tongue, the German vernacular, had been preserved prior to the period of Magyarization in the 1850s and 1860s, quite a lot still happened in terms of Christmas plays and Christmas customs, which had long sunk into oblivion in the made regions in the German motherland. The individual colonists, who had emigrated to the Slavic areas in the course of the preceding centuries, retained their old Christmas plays and renewed them when they found the right people, who were always taken from among the villagers to perform the Christmas plays. I can well remember, and you will perhaps grant me that I can judge this, the enthusiasm with which old Schroer spoke about such Christmas plays, when he told how he had been present when the people had celebrated their Christmas plays during this festive period. We do not obtain any concept, this is no exaggeration, of the innermost being of the artistic, until we have gone to these villagers and have seen how they gave birth to the simple art of the Christmas play from out of a most sacred mood the people who today think they can learn to declaim from this or that teacher, who go hither and thither to do these or those breathing exercises, whichever happen to be the right ones. There are many dozens of correct methods of breathing for singing or declamation. These people believe that the important thing is to turn the human body or larynx into the right sort of automaton to foster some art or other in a materialistic way. I only hope that this curious view will never really take root in our circles, because these people have no idea how simple but real art was born out of the most sacred mood, out of a prayerful Christmas mood, how it was performed in a deeply Christian mood in the soul and breast of village lads who at other times of the year often played quite wanton and mischievous pranks. Because these Simple people, under their straw roofs, knew infinitely more about the connections of the human soul, about the whole human being, and about art, than people today know in our modern theatres, or the rest of the art scene. No matter how much people make a fuss about art being something which is to come from the whole human being, and, if it is sacred art, from the sacred, pious mood of human beings. You can see this, for example, from the four main rules, as they still existed in the areas which Schroer was still able to visit. When Christmas plays were performed, in areas of Upper Hungary, then, as October or November approached, the person to whom the Christmas plays had been handed down, never in written form, because writing them down was considered to be a profanity, gathered together the people whom he considered suitable and suitable in this Christmas period, were really people of whom one would not otherwise have assumed it, wanton, naughty lads who had done their fair share of messing about during the year. But during this period the necessary mood entered these souls. There were strict rules for the participants in the Christmas plays during the weeks of rehearsal. Each one who wanted to take part had strictly to observe the following four rules. We have, of course, to imagine ourselves in village life and consider what it meant in the life of the village not to be allowed to take part in such an event. Quote, everyone who wants to be involved in the performance must, one, not visit fluzies; two, not sing any ribald songs throughout the whole period, three, lead an honorable life, four, obey me. All these things are subject to a fine, including any lapses of memory and such like. Is this not an echo of the consciousness which existed in holy places, in the ancient mysteries, where it was also thought that we cannot obtain wisdom through ordinary schooling? So here, too, there was a consciousness that a person as a whole in his or her mind and morals had to be purified if they were to approach art in a worthy way. Such things should be borne Of the whole human being, and the Christmas mood made it possible that devoutness could exist in the roughest lads. What I have just spoken about, what Schroer and others were still able to collect in the way of Christmas plays, which were performed as if they were the remnant of something much older, is little more than a relic. We are looking back at much earlier periods. At periods of the 16th, 15th, 14th century, and so on, where the relationships between villages and towns were still quite different, where indeed the souls of the village inhabitants were immersed in quite a different mood at Christmas time through what was given to them through these plays, where, with the simplest and most primitive methods, the holy legend was performed, the birth of Christ with everything in the Bible which belongs to it. And just as Christmas Day, 25 December, is preceded in the calendar by the feast day of Adam and Eve, so normally the play, which was thought of as the actual Christmas play, was preceded by the so-called Paradise Play, the play about Adam and Eve in Paradise, and how they fell victim to the devil, the serpent. It was possible to obtain a direct insight in the simplest regions into the connection which exists between the descent of human beings from spiritual realms into the sphere of the physical plane and the jolt which human beings received through the Christ impulse back up into spiritual worlds. When human beings read the epistles of Paul, they obtain a sense of the grandiose nature of the Pauline view about the human being who descended in Adam from the spiritual world into the sensory one and about the, in quotes, new Adam, Christ, in whom the human being ascends again from the sensory world into the spiritual one. When human beings experience and feel this in Paul in a grandiose way, the simplest people down as far as the children could sense this in the depths of their heart, in the depths of their soul, in an inward loving and mindful way, when at that time, The paradise play about Adam and Eve, uh, about the fall of human beings, and the Christmas play about the revelation of Christ were performed for them, one after the other. And the mighty caesura, which came about in human development through the Christ event, was felt at a very profound level. A reverse of the path of development, that was how the Christ event was experienced. The path from Adam to Christ, was like the path from heaven to earth, as it were. The path of Christ to the end of the earth period is a path from the earth to heaven. That was experienced in the most inward way, when the two plays, which have been characterized here a little, were performed in a primitive way to thousands and thousands of people. Because the complete renewal through the Christ impulse of what is the human spirit was experienced, We might perhaps also still feel something like an echo of what was experienced with regard to the reversal of the whole progress of humanity in the words which come from very ancient times, from the first Christian centuries, and which were very often spoken as late as the eighth, ninth, tenth centuries, in regions in which Christianity had spread specifically within Europe. Something immense was felt in words such as the following, and there is a passage in Latin which I don't feel qualified to read, but it will then be translated into English, so I'm skipping that. When these words were spoken, people felt the path of human beings from heaven to earth through the fall, and the ascent of human beings from the earth to heaven through Christ. And this was felt in the two female figures, in Eva and in the name which was attached to the mother of Jesus, with which she was greeted, as it were, Ave. Ave is the reverse of the name Eva, and when we read Ave backward we get Eva. That was experienced in its full meaning. Hence these words which also show what was experienced within the most elemental phenomena of nature, and at the same time the human aspect, which was experienced in the legend. Ave, star of the ocean, divine young mother and eternal virgin, happy portal of heaven that you are, accepting the Ave as a gift from Gabriel, you became our foundation of peace, in that you reversed the name Eva. The greatest mysteries, the greatest secrets of human development were experienced in such simple words and in the reversal of the name Eva to Ave, each person experienced, in an inward way, what can then be taken in a grandiose way from the epistles of Paul, when we read the passages about Adam, the old Adam, and about Christ, the new Adam. This mood was then present when, in the days of the Christmas festival, the Paradise Play, which presented the fall, and the Christmas Play, which represents the hope, which can come to every human soul in the future, if it incorporates the power which lies in the Christ impulse, were primitively performed one after the other. But such a feeling also requires an attitude of mind, in which we have to be clear that it can no longer exist in that way today. Times have changed. The impossibility of looking into the spiritual worlds, as it is given today for the most primitive and the most intelligent populations, such a fundamental materialistic element in the human mind did not exist at that time. An assumption of the existence of the spiritual world was self-evident, and a certain understanding of the spiritual world and its differences to the sensory world was equally self-evident. People today have Little understanding of the way that the spirit could be felt up into the fifteenth, sixteenth century, now basically there was an awareness of spirituality everywhere. If the repeat of one of the Christmas plays, a Christmas play from the Upper Palatinate, which is to be performed in our two art rooms, is successful, then an understanding of the spiritual mood it contains may perhaps also be awoken once again outside our circles. For us, some of the lines in such a Christmas play in particular should become an identifying mark of the spiritual sense that existed in the festive period in those who were intended to understand this Christmas play. When, for example, in one of the Christmas plays, Mary, expecting the Jesus child, says, The time has come. I see the little child. Close quote. That means she sees the approaching child clairvoyantly in the days preceding the birth, as happens in so many Christmas plays. Then let me ask you, where today could you find a similar tale for the same occasion? The times when there was a connection with the spiritual world, as it still existed consciously at that time, no longer exist. We should give ourselves over neither to an optimistic, nor a pessimistic mood in that respect. We have to go to very remote, primitive, rural areas today. If we want to find the vision of the child about to come in a few days, there are still such things. This was the mood which was, of course, required for the immersion of what in these primitive memories and thoughts about the greatest event in human development was contributed to Christmas. Hence we have to find it quite comprehensible that this earlier poetry, this simple primitive art, has been replaced by today's prose of the electric railways and the automobiles which zoom along between the avenues of Christmas trees in such a grotesque way. It is impossible for an eye, EYE, with any aesthetic sense to see the two things together, Christmas trees, Christmas markets, and automobiles and electric railways traveling between them. That impossibility is, of course, something which has become commonplace today. Yet for the eye with any aesthetic sense, it remains something impossible. But we, nevertheless, want to remain friends and not enemies of such a culture and understand that it has to be commonplace. But we also want to understand how it is connected with the materialistic trait which runs through all minds, not just those in the cities, but also in the rural population. We can indeed eavesdrop on the materialistic mood as it sidles up to human minds. Go to the 14th, 13th century, and you will find that people are fully aware that they mean something spiritual when they talk about the tree of knowledge in paradise, for example... They know correctly what is being shown to them in the Paradise play, know to make the correct spiritual connection for what is represented as the tree of knowledge or the tree of life. Because superstition was by no means as widespread in those times than it subsequently became in the 15th, 16th, 17th century. In contrast, we find in the 15th century, for example, near Bamberg, This can be verified historically. that people went out into the apple orchards at Christmas because they were expecting a particular chosen tree to physically and materially blossom at Christmas. The whole life of the mind of people had grown materialistic in the period which started in the 13th and 14th century, continued through the 16th, 17th century, and existed not just in the towns, but also in the souls of those who were simple villagers. A lot of what was the old poetry still crept into the houses with their Christmas tree. But what wafted through the villages as the holiest mood, like a mystery, has turned to purely outward poetry, to the poetry of the Christmas tree, which is still beautiful, but nevertheless an echo of something great. Why is that so? because humanity had to pass through a development in the course of time, because what was inward great and important in one time cannot remain in the same form for all time, because anyone who wanted to drag into another time what is great in one time would be an enemy of the development of humanity. Each time has its particular tasks, and in each time we have to understand how to give life to what is meant to penetrate into the souls and hearts of human beings. Our time can quite certainly only immerse itself in that true Christmas mood, which we could intimate in our description like an historical memory, like a piece of the past. But if we, nevertheless, include the symbol of the Christmas tree in our festive gatherings, we do it precisely for the reason that we combine with anthroposophical spiritual science itself the thought of a new Christmas mood in humanity, a humanity which has advanced. It is the task of spiritual science to lower the secrets of Christ in such a way into the hearts and souls of human beings as is appropriate for our time despite the fact that our modern modes of transport zoom past us when we step out of the door or maybe even fly away with us into the skies. Soon these things will create the most mundane, most dreadful prose for humanity. Human beings today must, nevertheless, have the opportunity to rediscover the divine spiritual all the more strongly and significantly in a deepening of their soul the divine spiritual which appeared in such a simple way to the primitive minds of past centuries when they saw the Holy Child in the manger at Christmas time. We need other means today to awaken this mood in the soul. We may well wish to immerse ourselves in what previous ages possessed to find their way to the Christ event, but we must also be independent of those times. The way that people in previous times felt their way into the secrets of nature was only possible in a primitive time. We need other tools today. I want to give just one more idea of how people felt their way into nature when Christmas was approaching, felt their way into nature in a quite primitive way, and yet spoke earthily in their mind out of an experience of the elements of nature. If I may tell you about another star song, you will perhaps feel properly only in a single place how the elements of nature spoke out of the soul. The rest is pretty primitive. But if you listen with greater care, you will get a feeling of that natural mood from more of it. For when the person whose task it was to gather together the actors for the Christmas play or the Three Kings play went with them, and when they made their appearance in various places, then they first of all greeted those who had come together, because the abstract mood which exists today between actors and audience did not exist previously. People belonged together, and everything was immersed in a common setting. Hence the actors made their appearance by welcoming those who were there and also those who were not there in a primitive way. They created a real Christmas mood. The Star Singer Speaks Beloved singers mine, let's gather as a clan, like fritters in a frying pan. Beloved singers mine, take up your place. We want to pass our while with singing in this space. Beloved singers mine, so strong and smart, with greetings do we want to start. Let us greet God Father on His highest throne. Let us greet also His only Son. Let us greet the Holy Spirit by name and then greet all three together again. Joseph and Mary enter the stage. Let us greet Joseph and Mary mild and we also greet the little child. Let us greet the ox and also the ass which stand near the crib with straw and grass. Let us greet them through sunlight and moonshine That shine on the sea and the river Rhine. Let us greet them through foliage and grassy blade, through the holy rain that has wet us all made. Let us greet the emperor and his crown, and him who made it, a master of great renown. Let us greet the squire, Sir Palfi by name, also his officers we greet the same. Let us greet our fathers of the church, so stern, because this play they allowed us to learn. Let us greet the judge and the jury-elect with worthy honor and respect. The whole honored community we greet, all who together here we meet. Let us greet the honored council of this place, by God ordained to serve in this space. Let us greet them through the roots, large and small, which are in the earth many and all. Beloved singers mine, turn now to another thing. To greet the star we shall now sing. Let us greet the slats so carefully matched To which our star is then attached. Let us greet the scissors that can stretch out far By which can wander around the star. We greet all the little slats of wood As many as make our star look so good. Beloved singers, mine, hearken well to my words. We sang to the star and to all of its parts. Now we greet our master singer with glee and also his hat, which here you see. Let us greet our teacher, who indeed, with God's help, taught us what we need. Beloved singers mine, note well this thing. To all of these we did now sing. Now I would ask you to take note of what it means to call on nature in this way. For every one whom the players want to greet, to be greeted with such a mood in their hearts, for such a mood to be felt in, quote, the roots large and small, which are in the earth many and all, close quote. That is a feeling of the mood of nature itself. Thus we have to recognize how people at that time were united with everything that was holy, great and spiritual, down as far as the roots of the grasses and trees. Anyone who can obtain a sense of this will feel in the line just quoted, something grandiose with regard to the secrets of human development. The times in which this was natural, in which it was something self-evident, are past, and today we need other means. We need the means to take us to an even deeper source in human nature, which in a certain sense is independent of external time. Because culture itself, the way it operates today, makes it impossible for us to tie ourselves exactly to the seasons. Anyone who therefore truly understands the mood which could be felt as the Christ mood at Holy Christmas in olden times will also understand what we are trying to achieve in that we want to deepen artistically again what we have been able to obtain from spiritual science. What we are trying to achieve in striving to give life to that source in human minds, which can incorporate within itself the Christ impulse. We can no longer directly awaken what is great at Christmas, much as we would like to awaken this impulse in our souls at this time in particular, but we will always seek it. And if we see a Christmas festival of human progress as such in what anthroposophical spiritual science is meant to be for humanity, and if we look at what ordinary people were able to feel when they were presented with the child in the manger in holy Christmas night, then we can say to ourselves, such moods, such feelings should awaken in us when we look at what can be born in our soul, when cognition of the Spirit produces such a holy mood in our innermost source, purifies it to such an extent that it can incorporate within itself the holy mystery of the Christ impulse. From this perspective, we also attempt to find the true art, the art which wells up out of the spirit and cannot be anything other than a child of devotion, a child of the holiest feelings. If we feel the eternal, the everlasting Christmas festival in this respect, and how the Christ impulse can be born in the human being, in the human soul, in the human mind, when we experience once again through spiritual science how this Christ impulse is something real, which can truly be decanted into our souls as a living force, then the Christ impulse will not remain something abstract, something dogmatic through spiritual science. Then this Christ impulse, which arises from our spiritual movement, will become something for us which can give us consolation in the worst moments of our life, which can give us joy in the hope that when Christ is born in our soul at the Christmas time of the soul, we can anticipate that at Easter the Spirit will be resurrected within us. Thus we must progress again from the materialism, which has entered all spirits, all hearts, to something spiritual. Because the renewal which is necessary in the face of what is the prose of life today can only be born out of the Spirit. If it is possible, even when automobiles drive past outside, airships perhaps fly through the air, electrical railways zoom along, if it is possible in such rooms as these here to let something spread of the holy mood, which can only be understood through what we obtain in the course of the whole of the year as spiritual knowledge, bringing Christ closer to us, and which in earlier times lived in a much more childlike mood, then there is hope that in a certain respect these meeting rooms will become mangers, in quotes, which we can look at in a similar way to the way that the children and adults looked at the child, at the shepherds in front, and at, quote, the ox and also the ass, which stand near the crib with straw and grass, close quote, when the manger was set up in the home or, before that, in the church. Here they felt that from this symbol there flowed into their hearts hope for all human love, for all human greatness, for all earthly goals. If on this day, which is meant to be dedicated and devoted to commemorating the Christ impulse, we can feel that throughout the year something is set alight in our hearts, as the result of our serious spiritual scientific striving, then our hearts will feel on this day, these are mangers, these our meeting places, and these lights are the symbols. These mangers, through the holy mood that is within them, and these lights, through the symbolism of their radiance, they contain something that, like Christmas, like Easter, is intended to prepare a great period of humanity the resurrection of the Holy Spirit, of the truly spiritual life. Let us try to foster the feeling that our meeting rooms are mangers at Christmas time, places in which something great is in preparation, away from the external world. Let us learn to feel that if we study busily throughout the year our insights, the wisdom we have obtained, can be concentrated on such a Christmas Eve into burning feelings, feelings which begin to glow like fire out of the combustible material which we have obtained throughout the year through the study of great teachings. Let us feel that in doing so, we are cultivating the memory of the greatest impulse in human development. Let us feel how, as a result, the belief can live in these places, that in the future, what burns as holy fire and the light of secure hope will penetrate into humanity. Then it will be strong enough, powerful enough to penetrate, inspire, warm and illuminate, also the hardest, the most mundane prose of life. Then we can experience the Christmas mood, here as a mood of hope for the world's Easter mood, which is an expression of the living spirit, which is required for modern humanity. We will celebrate Christmas the best way in our souls if we fill the next few days with this mood. Fill them in such a way that we spiritually prepare the Easter of humanity, the resurrection of spiritual life, in our Christmas. Indeed, let our places of work become mangers at Christmas time. Let the child of light be born, which is kindled throughout the year by contemplation of spiritual scientific wisdom. Let Christ be born in the human soul in our places of work so that the spiritual life can be resurrected at the great Easter of humanity, which, in its essence, must experience spirituality as a resurrection through the Christmas mood flowing out of our rooms into the general humanity of the present and the future. The end of Lecture 13